Offsiders, welcome to episode six of Offside Talk. I am Nims, your host, and I'm here with my co-host Fats. How are you, Fats? Yeah, I'm good, man. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Excited. Uh, it's been a big week of football. Transfer deadlines running up and stuff like that. Um, but before we get on to that, I want to just touch up on that that competition that we're running, Fats. Uh, so, guys, to be eligible. We have a lot of people who are liking Instagram posts and Facebook posts. You actually need to follow us first and foremost. Um, You need to comment a friend's name who you think you would absolutely destroy in a FIFA game. Absolute batter. Um, If I could tag anybody, it would probably be Fats. Uh, I can't remember the last (laughs) time you ever beat me in a game. Uh, Let's... um, we're, I mean, there's still time for this competition. Uh, so hit up that Facebook page, that Instagram page. Uh, start commenting on that Facebook page especially. But as we said, to increase your chances, like that, um, like our Instagram page and follow us and jump onto YouTube and subscribe. That's it. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk football, Fats. Let's go straight into it. We had the Premier League that's gone over the weekend they're heading on to uh international break as well unfortunately um unfortunately. the worst time of the season oh look they have filled it up with euro qualifiers and friendlies and so on and so forth but when premier league when premier league is on i think everyone's knows where their priorities are you drop everything and watch your team and support them definitely and not just premier league i think i think that's across all leagues um for me the biggest the worst thing is not only the the throw off in the rhythm of playing soccer uh football in um in your club team but the injuries that come with playing for international games oh look the injuries the drop in um tempo the uh the travel, the travel also gets, especially with some players having to travel what, a thousand kilometers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it affects them. And they're not going for a, a long period of time. It's only a week. And then you got to get back into training and then go straight into a game. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it can be, it can suck across the board. And I think we forget a lot of the time that a lot of these players already came off an international competition with like the African nation. Uh, Cup of Nations, uh, and they they've played four games for their club, and they've gone back into their international teams. Yeah, you had the Copa America as well, and some some of the some of the players. To be honest, it, it could be a fatigue thing, but we also need to keep in mind the, these guys are paid to play these types of games. You know, like Messi hitting 50, 60, 70 games. It's expected with the caliber of players that are in the Premier League, that are in the um, in the teams that are being selected by the national team. These are all superstars at the end of the day. So I'm hoping that there is no injuries, especially to my team. Um, I don't think we can afford it really. Well, to be honest, I'm not even too sure many players have been selected from my team the way we're traveling at the moment. Um, it's good that Kante didn't get selected due to his injuries. But yeah, we're just going to have to see how the international break goes and... Hopefully there's no injuries. Yeah, let's move past our uh, international worries. But um, starting off the week was Man United playing Southampton. Yeah, Man United were away at Southampton. Uh Southampton were missing three of their players, Fats, the three players that have scored in the Premier League so far. Uh, I mean, when Ohms tipped Southampton to win this, I thought it was ridiculous. But... uh, I think with a few more of those players that were not playing in this game, they could have done some damage. Look, at the end of the day, Man United is still a work in progress. Okay, Solskjaer is still trying to figure out his best eleven. Some of the players are still not a hundred percent. You can see that the the connection between Rashford and some of the midfielders is is not there yet. It's developing. But um, when I watch this game, I don't think there's one big problem that's missing. For Manchester United at the moment. Okay, and I'm not too sure if um, United fans themselves see this. When the ball is in the midfield, there's no one there to play the ball. There's no playmaker. Now, everyone everyone thinks this is Pogba. But Pogba is going back and forth, back and forth. That's right. From DM to camp, from DM to camp. And you can see as the game progresses, he's not really there when that pass needs to be played, when you have Rashford making that run. So I think when they were trying to target Christian Eriksen from Tottenham, they were looking for that. They were looking for that playmaker. They need that number 10. Yeah, the number 10, even a number 7, a number 6, whatever. It doesn't matter if they're number 58. As long as they're getting (laughs) the ball to to the right people, it would have been 
I reckon this game would have been done and dusted. Now, another big problem was just it feels like Solskjaer is still trying to find his rhythm because when he had Rashford, Lingard, Martial all on, you can see the amount of speed, the amount of attack that they had on. But they didn't start like that. They had one Mata on and Rashford was playing more of a lone striker. Yeah, well, Martial was, of course, injured and wasn't playing the game. But it's... Martial isn't there, but you got Greenwood on the bench. As Didn't soon, play him, yeah. As soon as they came on, he came on in the second half. Towards the end of the game, you can see the amount of speed that just kicked into the attack. Mm-hmm. And Southampton at the time had a red card. So everyone was thinking, okay, Man United can take this. And then go, okay. But you can realize that as the game was going back and back and back and back, that Southampton were just stuck in their box and Man United were a bit lost because they didn't have that someone to give that ball, that last touch, that last touch to Rashford or to Greenwood or even the goal scorer, James. That, that goal was a beautiful that goal. That was a beautiful Amazing goal. Amazing. And he's a youngster. And it's, it's as soon as these types of balls are given to these kids, they're going to put the ball in the net. So I don't know whether he took it lightly because it is Southampton. Southampton aren't on the best of streaks. They're not playing the best football. But it did backfire on them, I reckon. And I reckon coming up in the summer or... Sorry, coming up in the winter for them and the summer, they they need to find a playmaker. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see them uh, using a playmaker on the team. But on top of their attack, attacking worries, I think defensively there's some worries as well. I mean, there's a statistic like l- between last season and um, the, the start of this season, Man United has conceded more goals than in the last 40 years. Now, when you come across a statistic like this, does it make sense that – or does it – in my opinion, it almost seems like they panicked in finding a defender and that's why they paid so much for Harry Maguire. I think the problem with that is how many players can you actually buy from a defensive point of view? Now, we know that there's attackers all over the world and you have to spend 150, 200 million pounds to get them. But the Harry Maguires, the Van Dykes, even Koulibaly in the Serie A, how many people can you actually come out and say, okay, this guy's worth 70 million. This guy's worth 90 million. And he's going to perfectly go into the squad. And then as soon as we put him in, there's going to be no issues. So, look, they are going they are going for a cycle still. They're still trying to figure it out. He's trying to still add the gears. Whether the team has, well, sorry, not the team, but whether the board has enough time for him to figure that out. Now, I can use Chelsea as an example. But one thing Lampard has that... Solskjaer doesn't have is he had a transfer ban. Now, Solskjaer didn't have that. No. Went and got Harry Maguire and said, this man will fix it. He's done some horrible passes. Mm-hmm. Now, he did, he did show himself a bit in the Chelsea game. But I don't know. It's, I reckon we just got to give him a bit more time. Okay. But um, in saying that, we've been saying from the start of the season, we've got to give him more time, give him more time. I think it's going to start putting some pressure on him. Oh, well, it definitely will, considering the price tag as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're, you're 80 million pound, you're the world's most expensive defender. Okay, you are an England international, you went to the World Cup semi-final, all this is going to be adding pressure onto you because the moment your form starts to slip here, you're at the highest level now, it's going to start affecting you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Your spot in the England team, your spot in the Manchester United team. I mean... Can you imagine the world's most expensive defender starting on the bench? No, but is it fair to put all that pressure on him is the other question. But th- that's what it is, but that's football. Mm-hmm. When big players get called upon, they don't just sit back and shy away. You, you have Van Dyke. He could have said, oh, I'm having one or two bad games. Start me on the bench. No. You make mistakes. You learn from them. He went and did it in the Champions League two years in a row, Van Dyke. One he lost, one he won. But you can see the big difference he had over that last year. Mm-hmm. And the big difference was Liverpool only lost one game last year in the Premier League. Now, whether that's Allison himself, but you, a lot of people would say Van Dyke was the rock there. Now, Maguire needs some time. It's only four games. You still need 10 games, maybe 15 games, 20 games. Maybe if, unless the whole team is suffering, then maybe Harry Maguire might have 
more of a microscope on him. So I reckon give it a bit more time. Give Maguire the the adjustment that he needs to move into a team like United. It might not even be Maguire. It might be his um, his counterpart right next to him. Uh, that's what I was saying. I mean, the other centre-back, uh, I can't name him off the top of my head, but he was making – there was a lot of runs made behind him. Look, Rojo left. Rojo left Manchester United. He, he he obviously realized, look, I'm not going to play because Maguire is there. So if Solskjaer keeps changing who Maguire's partner is, whether it's Lindelof, whether Bailey comes back, or Bali, sorry, he comes back, you keep moving these two, they're not going to establish a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Van Dyke, you got Wijnaldum. Done. Van Dyke or in emergency situations, you got another player that comes in. Whether it be Matip, whether you chuck Robertson there, whether you chuck Mohamed Salah there, it doesn't matter. You can see that that team gels. While Maguire, I, it, it was, it, I can't remember which game it was. It was in this Premier League season. He had the ball coming out from the back all the time in the world and passed it to the opposition. Yeah. So is that a gelling thing? Is that a player thing? I don't think it's a player thing, but it could be a... Uh, a mental game, like mm-hmm. you said, is it catching up to him? But four games in, I don't think so. Not not with a not with a player who's played World Cup semi-finals. Not with a player who's won the Premier League himself. But people forget that as well. He mm-hmm. played in a team that was doubted, and he called he the team called him up, and he was there. So time, I think he'll be fine. Fats, uh, speaking of fine, let's talk about Man City. I mean, comfortable win for them on the weekend? Yeah, comfortable 4-0. Brighton, I don't think Brighton went to the Etihad thinking... Walk away with three points. We're going to walk away with three points. Easy. Um, look, at the end of the day, it is football. Anything can happen. But the way Man City was playing, I think Brighton would have just hoped that they could have lasted five minutes without conceding a goal. But even that didn't happen. I mean, you had De Bruyne go straight in, in after minute. in the second minute. That's it. And I think you can plan all you like. You can, you can try to do everything all you like in your training sessions, speak to the squad. But... That all goes out the window as soon as City score against you in the second minute. Yeah, and uh, and that's threw them off their game for the whole um, ninety minutes. For that, uh, uh, Aguero got a double, and Bernardo Silva in the seventy ninth minute yeah, finishing look, it off. I, I don't think the scoreline surprises anyone. There's only one stat that actually does surprise me about this: the possession. The possession, mm. because this is a Pep Guardiola team. A team that 70, 75%, in some instances, it's been 80% possession finishing the game off. But possession being, what, 54, 46? Yeah. It doesn't a, reflect the scoreline. It doesn't reflect the scoreline, but it's also showing something to other teams now. Now, in my opinion, it is. Okay. If you can keep. Let me start this again. Pep Guardiola teams, Barcelona was the best example. The reason why Barcelona won was the other team didn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, they were winning games. Eight, I remember the Celtic game, which Celtic did win off Barcelona, were one of the very, very few teams that walked away with three points. And the possession for that game, I believe, was eighty-one nineteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the favor of Barcelona. Now, give it to a team such as Liverpool or another European major major team. Give them. 47%, 46% against in a, Man City. In an away game when you're playing at home. Correct, in an away game. I think that would start to worry Guardiola that they didn't have enough possession. Now, yes, they were up 4-0, mm-hmm. but he's a perfectionist. He he worries about all these little stats. Now, Brighton having 47% is a major worry for them because, as I've stated, his main agenda is... If the opposition don't have the ball, they can't score. Mm-hmm. It's not, we don't need the greatest defense in the world. We don't need to have everyone that's a superstar. We do need superstars at the front, but our, but his defensive mechanism was never the greatest. You look at Barcelona, there was many stages where towards the end of his reign, the defense was starting to get worried out. Once Puyol left, the defense was starting to become a bit more... Uh, a bit more making they were making more mistakes mm-hmm. okay same thing at Bayern Munich and the same thing I reckon can start to happen here now 
Laporte got injured, that is a big problem. Because now I believe the quote that he stated was, "We can't afford this." Yeah. Or uh, uh, a team uh, like us can't afford it, or something like that. Right. I don't think he was referring it from a financial point of view. I think what he's trying to state is, if you're playing at that high level, you need everybody involved. Pretty much yeah. that, and the fact that the transfer period is closed yep so these are the defenders you have mm-hmm. now stones is out yep mendy's close now mm-hmm. if laporte's out for a while he's going to have to make some changes here whether it be fernandinho which goes into center back which he's done before fabian delph playing more in defense all that types of stuff is something that i reckon is what he was referring to as we can't afford this mm-hmm. now after the international break Another defender goes, you are in all sorts of trouble if you're Man City. Oh, definitely. Like, but we, we've talked about the depth of Manchester City. Uh, and if, if this was another team that had three or four defenders out, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much more worse than it was for Man City. Oh, look, at the end of the day, it would have been um, an absolute smash. Like, it, it would have hammered, say, Manchester United. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I, I actually did forget... Fabian Delph is not part of the Man City squad anymore. Mm-hmm. He moved to Everton. So there's another player gone. Yep. So whether he's referring it to from that perspective as in, yeah, we got rid of a few players, we signed maybe one or two more, mm-hmm. and they both get injured, then what? Yeah. You're going to start playing De Bruyne in defence? <laughs> I, I agree with you. And just coming up on the possession facts, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. You might call me an arsehole for this, but it's scary that... If Manchester, uh, Man City is giving away this much possession, if you'd like to say, and the other team's only having two shots and they're scoring four goals even though they're not, you know, they don't have do- uh, the possession. Can you imagine them with 70 or 80% possession? What are these What are these goals going to be like? We're going to start seeing 6-0, 7-0, 8-0 games? Well, they've done it last year. Yeah. They were winning 6-0, 5-0, 5-1. They were up 4-0 at halftime easily. Now this game finished 4-0 after 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. They were only 2-0 up at halftime. Now, a team that, yeah, they only have 54% possession, but possession doesn't win your games. Goals do. That's right. Now, they, Brighton had two shots on goal. They had six shots in total. Mm-hmm. But, again, this is Brighton. That, that, I, I completely understand S- you. Switch it with another team and give them 30%, but they have four shots on goal. But you have superstars such as Salah, Mane, or Firmino shooting them and make every them single count. one going in. You can have 70% in the world. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, here we go, Fats. We've got uh, Chelsea and Sheffield United, and you can see those possession stats there, 62% to 37%, or 62 to 38, roughly. Um, and it didn't win Chelsea a game. Uh, just when we thought Chelsea's on the winning streak, we've got a setback at home. Yeah, another setback. And it's it's... What I've been saying for... Same story, yeah. Same story, same problems, same issues, same everything. Second half syndrome. The, the, you look at the... You, if you watch that game, the, the way Chelsea played in the first half was amazing. Same way they did against United. The same way they did against Liverpool in the Super Cup. It was, it was perfect. But the second half starts and you concede within a minute. Like... There's a problem. There is a problem here. I, I, I can't say anything more that, that there is a defensive issue here. Uh, well, when when Sheffield scored their first goal in the second half, you could see how how much uplifted they were and you could almost see almost equally how much Chelsea was starting to look worried. Look, you would be worried. This is the Premier League at the end of the day. I mean, you can't just take the gas off the pedal because you're 2-0 up. That's something City don't do. And as we just touched base on City, yeah, they were down to, sorry, they were up 2-0 at half time. But what do they do? They don't take the gas off. They go, you know what? We need to chuck three. We need to chuck four, five, six, seven. If we've got to close the game off at six goals, we're going to do that. Chelsea, as soon as I reckon, conceded that first goal, it was more, here we go again. Heads dropping. Heads dropped. And it doesn't help that Zuma scored the own goal. It... On paper, he scored the own goal. If you look at that cross, he misses that. The player next to him is taking it in. Yeah. So it's either he hopes for the best or it's a goal either way. So I, I, I can't really reflect on him being a, it's an own goal, it's his fault. But 
Kante not being there is another issue. I was issue. just about to ask you about that. How important is Kante on this team? Kante is one of the most... He's probably one of the best defend, defensive midfielders in the world. Mm-hmm. There's no ifs, there's no buts about this. Many, many players have stated, and I think it was Hazard that it was stating it last year, the year before. Um, in training, it feels like there's two of him. And you can see that on the pitch. We definitely saw that in the um, European the Super, Super Cup. Cup. That's right. As soon as he... As soon as it was on the pitch, the game shut down. Same thing happened in Man United. We were up, they were up 3-0 and Kante came on. Suddenly, the ball's ours in the midfield. Yeah, they considered another goal, but 90 plus one or whatever it was. But him not being there, and it's it's actually a good thing that he's not selected for France. Um, I think uh, Didier Deschamps actually took Frank, Frank Lampard's advice and not to pick him because of his um, injury. So... Look, at the end of the day, you, you, you can't say that it's no Kante, no win. These are the types of players we should be finishing it off. The first goal was was a very good goal. Tammy Abraham's done to put the balls in. And, I've, and, and I've, I was going to start, I was going to say, you know, you got you to take some positives out of this game because Tammy Abraham's scoring now and that's two weeks in a row. And he's pretty much said, fuck you to the fans who, you know, who doubted him. With Tammy Abraham, it was never a doubt he was going to score. It was never a doubt that he was going to start putting the ball in. Okay, you can see that he's he's up for the challenge. He's up for the challenge that's that's in front of him at the moment. He missed a penalty in the Super Cup, came back and started scoring. So you can see that the character's there. We just need someone of his morale boost in the defense. I think that's what it is. As for the Quetas getting caught out so many times, so many times, I, I don't. I reckon he's a rock. When he wants to be, but I think age is just getting to him. He's playing right back. He can't keep up with those heavy duty runs anymore. Those one twos. He's he's just not there at the moment. So um, I'm gonna keep saying it. It's a defensive issue for Frank Lampard, but he he gets he, he gets a write off. He he gets pretty much a clean sheet because he can't fix it. If there's no player to put there, there's it is what it is. Yeah, and, and we knew that there was going to be a struggle for that from the start of the season. A big congratulations to Robinson, who got the goal in the 46th minute and also um, put the cross in for that own goal. Uh, that's enough, I think, to wrap up wrap up the Chelsea and Sheffield United game. Uh, moving on to the Liverpool-Burnley game, Fats. Uh, Burnley is a team that we've talked about having a not-so-bad start. Uh, Ashley Barnes, if he scored in this game, he would have been the first player to score five games in a row for Burnley. Uh, Liverpool, of course, winning 3-0 and taking their first clean sheet of the season. Yeah, first clean sheet for Adrian. Um, I think that will give him a bit of a boost while Alisson is recovering. Um, look, it, we, we discussed the last week that it was if Burnley came out defensively that Liverpool were going to struggle a bit. But 33 minutes in, Alexander-Arnold, which I believe was an accidental cross, mm-hmm. went in and, and he went in. But and I reckon that put Burnley on notice. It they had to recover from that. They had to push more forward. They couldn't just really sit on their morals and just hope for the best. And well, one chance, one shot. Nah, it is Liverpool at the end of the day. This isn't the Liverpool that was three, four years ago where they would have a two 0 lead and succumb to it. This is Klopp trying to make sure that the team is running perfectly here. Um, everything was in Liverpool's favour, whether it be shots, possession, shots on goal. Um, there's only one big worry out of that game. Now, I'm not too sure if you saw the video of Mane, of Mane losing pretty much his shit at Mohamed Salah. Now, this isn't the first game that, to be honest, it's the first game that it was the that Mane's reaction actually took over him. You can see his anger clearly on the bench, but you can see it in a lot of games that he does get frustrated with Mohamed Salah when he doesn't pass, when he tries to be a hero. And this this happened also with Firmino being open on the right hand side, and Salah took that shot on by himself, which was a horrendous shot. Look, Firmino didn't affect him that much mm-hmm. because I think Mane, it's it's because it's starting to happen to him a lot more. He's starting to vent it a lot more now. If Mohamed did pass those balls, you'd probably win the game 4-0, 5-0. And even Klopp was frustrated on one of the shots. Yeah, that was with a pass that didn't go to Firmino, yeah. Yeah, so whether it's lovers tiff in paradise for Liverpool at the moment, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, considering the time, the, the, the unity that they have, I think this is just a training session talk. Um, 
everyone gets frustrated. The big heroes get frustrated. We saw Aguero and Guardiola. That didn't stop Aguero. So I think this is just a, a bit of a lover's tiff in the locker room, but a handshake, a bit of dinner. They'll get over it. <laughs> and it's, it's good you, you raised the point. But uh, in a game that you end up winning 3-0, I don't think it's a big problem. But those sorts of things can become a problem when you start losing games, right? Uh, of course. If it, uh, Losing is, I think, not the best best way to sum it up. It's when you draw the games. It's when you draw that you don't pass the ball. That's when it starts to get to you. Exactly. Losing games, okay, you lost the game and sometimes you lose 3-0. It, it, whether you pass it or not, it doesn't matter. But... When you're one all and you're 20 minutes left from 90 minutes, then you don't pass, then it starts to creep up on you. And I think Mane's frustration also comes with him being substituted. Now, if, if, if Klopp wanted to, he could take Mohamed Salah off and say, okay, I'm taking you off because this, this and this. But he didn't take him off. Frustration got the better of him, but unless we see it again soon maybe after the international break, maybe two, three, four games down the track for Liverpool, then you could say that there's a problem in this in this legendary front three for Liverpool now. So we're going to have to wait and see. But at the end of the day, excellent result for Liverpool. Uh, still keeping their 100% record. Yeah, and Firmino getting his 50th goal and being the first Brazilian to do it in the EPL. So congratulations to him. Yeah, he. Um, that's an excellent stat for him, to be honest. Um, considering the, the way that they're playing. I mean, you have Gabriel Jesus who's a striker for Man City, a team that's scoring five, six goals. I know he's not a starter, but he has been scoring goals, but he's only 50% of what Firmino has. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, congratulations to him. Moving on to the to the big one, the North London derby. Um, Arsenal-Tottenham drawing um, a bit of a shock to me because usually Arsenal take these games. Now, they were down 2-0. Uh, that's something odd for Tottenham. Now, you would think that Tottenham of the last year being up 2-0 against a team like Arsenal, they would take this game. But I was listening to Mourinho on Sky Sports and he said something that I reckon is, 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 is exactly what's happening at Tottenham at the moment, which is last year they had this team, they had this chemistry, they had this push to become a great team. And then making the Champions League final, losing to Liverpool, coming next year, I think they're starting to they're starting to realize that these players that they managed to keep a hold on, they did very very well to keep a hold on Kane, Eriksson, Son. Even I know Lucas is a bit more new, but even just to keep him and Hugo Lloris and all these types of players, they managed to keep a hold on them and not spend money. So they did very well from that perspective, but. Are these players starting to realize for me to progress my career, for me to win trophies, I need to leave? So if that's creeping into their minds, chemistry is going to be affected big time. Now, they'd lost to Newcastle, a game that I don't think anyone expected that to happen. A Tottenham of last year would have won that game 4-5-0 easily. So is that creeping into their mind? I, I think so. I think if Real Madrid come calling for Kane, he'll go. I think Eriksen, he might even go. Manchester United were after him, and like we just discussed, Manchester United is looking for a playmaker. So they were up 2-0, and to to not only give away the 2-0, but potentially almost lose the game. Yeah, the last goal was disallowed because of an offside call. Yeah, and, and it was the right call. It yeah, was, it, it was a yeah, right call. It was the but, right call. I mean, call. you're only inches off and it could have been That's Arsenal taking it. Exactly right. So I reckon the old Tottenham wouldn't have done that, the last year's Tottenham. They would have secured it up and moved forward and gone, okay, this is what we need to do to win the game. But what happened was they fell asleep just before halftime. Lacazette smashing the net, but smashing the ball in. Mm-hmm. And then the ball that came to Aubameyang for the second goal was the defense sleeping. It was a, it was an amazing ball by uh, Ganduzi. He went to Aubameyang. He, all he had to do was nick it. Nick it away from Hugo Lloris. That's it. That was done. Tottenham just fell asleep. It's like they fell asleep the whole second half. Mm. And Tottenham did what they did best, which was just fall asleep and 
it's like it's like put their heads down and let the pressure come on. Yeah, let the pressure come on and let the pressure get the best of them. So I don't know if this Tottenham team is going to live up to what they were last year. Now I did tip them to be high up in my ladder. I was just about to say I had them second preseason. So and they haven't met those expectations yet. They ha- they haven't at all. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be progressing in that manner. I don't think that they're going to be a team that's going to challenge for the Premier League anytime soon. Now, a lot of pundits did say City, Liverpool, Tottenham. But I'm slowly starting to think City, Liverpool and the rest. So um, I reckon Tottenham are in for a big year, including the next transfer window. Sorry, not the winter one for them, the next summer transfer window. I reckon they lose one or two players. They're in all sorts of trouble. And um, good on Harry Kane getting a goal, of course, via the penalty. Harry Kane, before this game, had scored nine goals in nine games against Arsenal. So he made it 10 goals in 10 games in this game. He's trying to rival Drogba. (laughs) Drogba loved playing against Arsenal, loved scoring against Arsenal. So, look, at the end of the day, he's getting his goals. Um, I wasn't too happy with his dive that he did in the game. Um, I liked that the fact that when he was interviewed after the game, that the commentator or the pundit on the spot showed it to him. I love that. The <laughs> fact that he said, I need to see it again. And the guy turned around and said, well, we've got a TV right here. Have a look. And you can clearly see him diving. Now, I don't think that's uh, – you can sum that up in any way besides being an amazing viewing to watch yourself dive <laughs> and trying to justify it. Yeah. So, but look, to all, um, Tottenham have a lot of place – so I have a lot of things to learn from this game. And to be honest, Arsenal, they're nowhere near Premier League to, um, Premier League contenders. No, and I had them very high up on my list as well at the start of the season. I had them as fourth because that's what Arsenal <laughs> usually finish. They, um, but I mean, even at this stage, it doesn't look like fourth is something that's achievable with the start that they've had to the season. It's early days. I think it's just going to be the same as last year. You're going to have two a two-horse race. And then the rest of the horses running on two legs. You're going to have Tottenham, United, Arsenal, maybe Chelsea. But if you, look at the, if you look at the ladder now, which we'll discuss shortly, the top four doesn't look like the top four that you would have predicted even after four rounds. Yeah. So I think Arsenal have a lot to do, a lot of gelling to do. I mean... A lot of new players. A lot of new players. Pepe... You can see that he's, he's not comfortable yet. In some of the shots he's doing, it's just straight power. And it's going flying. Aubameyang's there. Lacazette's there. Um, defensively, I, I, I said it from the beginning and I'm still going to get stuck on it. <laughs> Louise is not the answer for Arsenal. And you saw that in the game. He was found out so many times. He was caught out so many times. Not only in this game, but also in the Liverpool game. Yeah. And that's what I was referring to as the David Luiz that you don't want in your team. Mm-hmm. When he's on point, when he's doing what he needs to do in that team, he's he's brilliant. But when this type of David Luiz comes out, you're losing the ball, you're opening position, defenders doing two times work, it's, it's not the solution for them. So, but yeah, two, one point each. Plenty of things to learn for these two teams. Yeah, I predicted that. Woo! Uh, just to sum up the fourth match day fixtures, Fats, we had Crystal Palace at home beating Aston Villa 1-0. We had Leicester winning at home against Bournemouth 3-1. We had Newcastle and Watford taking a point each 1-1. We had West Ham beating Norwich 2-0 at home. And Everton beating the Wolves 3-2. Yeah, and that's round four leading into the international break. Now let's just have a look. Sorry, let's just have a look at the ladder. Now we have three teams undefeated, but one with a perfect hundred percent score. Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool leading the pack. Yeah. Um, Man City following up second. They did have that one draw against uh, Tottenham, um, which people again didn't expect. Um, but you can see clearly see that the goal difference is starting to have a big difference now mm-hmm. because Liverpool plus nine. And Man City plus 11. The next team after that 
is plus three. And a third on the ladder at the moment is is Leicester City. Yeah. So good to, I, <laughs> good to see them back up there. Good to see them back up there. Unless they're going to shock the world again, we're going to have to wait and find out. I don't think that's possible with a Man City and a Liverpool team oh, such as this. They had people doubting him last time, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see it happening. Oh, look, Leicester won the league when everyone else flopped. So, but no, nah, at the end of the day, it's 38 rounds. Yep. And they did what they had to do at the time. Um, something close, sorry, closing up the top four is Crystal Palace. Again, another team that people didn't expect to be there. They are equal fourth with Arsenal, Everton, and West Ham United. And all uh, that's separated for To goal be honest, difference. when you look at, you know, third and fourth, it's not the, no, not the most impressive start. It's just everyone else hasn't done really well. Well, Leicester City's not playing bad. Yeah. They're doing exactly what they need to do, which is get a point from your big teams and aim for three points with, with the with the easier teams. With the yeah. easier teams for them. But, um, Leicester's okay. I mean, eight. But you start looking at like fifth place with the seven out of 12 points. I mean, yeah, there has been some hard games, but it's not the most impressive starts for those teams, in my opinion. Oh, it's not impressive starts for Arsenal, United, Tottenham, Chelsea. Um, but... And you've got the big spenders, Villa, in the relegation zone at the moment. I think Villa were hard done. So, especially this week's game, they I reckon that they had a goal disallowed in, what, 90 plus 4, 90 plus 5, whatever it was. Um, a goal that should have stood. And again, it's it's this it's this VAR bullshit. <laughs> we're not going to go into that this yeah, week, though. But I, I don't think Villa's position should be justified for what it is. I think they'll find their way up slowly through the ladder, maybe finish around the 8-9 mark. A good season considering it's your first um it's your return to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest, my my biggest problem at the moment is Tottenham. Yeah. Man United going for a phase. Chelsea going for a phase. Arsenal big money spenders going for a phase. Tottenham ninth spot. A team a Champions League final making team in ninth spot already. So we're going to have to wait and see how if they can bounce back from a loss and a draw. So Liverpool leading the pack with City following. I think those two will be switching or it could stay like this and Liverpool could end the drought. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's let's hope it's not a repeat for Liverpool like it was last season and start dropping off some points towards the end of the season. Uh, just to touch on a few results across Europe... Um, we'll start off with the Bundesliga. Uh, Bayern Munich, massive victors against the the relegation team mate. Uh, Bayern Munich winning 6-1. I think that's Bayern Munich balancing back after a, a, a bit of a slow start to their campaign. Uh, the shock of the week for the Bundesliga was Union Berlin beating Dortmund. 3-1 at home. Now, Union Berlin, that is their first ever win in the Bundesliga. Not this season. Their first ever win. So against a team like Dortmund, I don't think any player would have left there without going straight over to whatever bar they're going to go to and enjoy that. I don't think. <laughs> I think if they lost the next what is the thirty games, they wouldn't. They wouldn't care. You could hold on to something like that for the next fifteen years, but we beat you three one. That's it. We beat you three one, and it was our first ever win. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit of a summarize for the Bundesliga. Now leading the pack is RB Leipzig. So. They're three from three in the Bundesliga, and I, I think in the Champions League they're going to be a, a, a bit of a dark horse as well, considering the money that's coming into that team. Uh, Bayern Munich second, Wolves, uh, Wolves, Wolfsburg sorry third, and Bayern Leverkusen in fourth spot. All now, all four of those teams are, are without any losses, and but it's RB that's leading with a hundred percent record. And they've got that easy group, Group G, that we talked about in the Champions League, so. They could make a statement there. They could open their position in the Bundesliga, even if they lost one or two, still stay within the top four so they can focus on the Champions League. Yeah. So anything's possible there. Uh, moving into La Liga, where there was a, a few shocks, I should say. Uh, Barcelona drawing again away. Now, this was to Osasuna. Again, no Messi, no Suarez, but a team like Barcelona, is. are we starting to see signs of Barcelona without Messi? Is this the the equivalent of Ronaldo not being at Real Madrid? So now Suarez is sorry, Suarez is out. Messi, I believe, is out for another month. Um, but 
another two, another two points lost here. I, I, a game that Barcelona should be taking away three points, and usually they would. So we're gonna have to wait and see to see if the the messy effect is is really happening at Barcelona. Sorry, the messy less effect is really happening at Barcelona. Um, another draw and another shock draw was Real Madrid. Now Real Madrid were up two. Uh, sorry, were down two nil. And Zidane's favorite player, Gareth Bale, came on, <laughs> scored two goals, saved Zidane's ass. And gave him the one point. And not only that, but decided, hey, I've done, I've scored two goals. Let me get myself sent off now. <laughs> so I think uh, are the fans slowly turning to Bale because he's the savior now? I don't think so. I think as, as soon as you make a signing, Bale is, is, is out of there. Um Zidane, I think, is putting forced trust into him, as in I don't have any other option. I, I can keep pissing you off, but I need you to score goals, and he's scoring goals at the moment. He's saving them from every every angle, pretty much. As a manager, I couldn't think of a more scary situation to be in, uh, to say that, hey, I don't really like you, but uh, I need you. Yeah, I, I, I don't like you. I don't want to play you. You're not in my plans. So go on there and score some goals for me. <laughs> and then get yourself sent off because I'm not playing you in the next game. Yeah, it's, it, to be honest, it was pretty much his two goals for you, Zidane. Now fuck off because I'm not in the next game. Let's see what you do then. So we're going to have to wait and see how Real Madrid recover from a bailless team and see if they can return back to winning ways. Now, Atletico Madrid as well, I know they, they won 3-2, um, but they were down 2-0. Mm. So, but the players stepped up, that, that Diego Simone team stepped up. Uh, Felix getting his first goal, first ever goal in the La Liga. Um, and I think that might be a, a bit of a turnaround for him for, for his future. I reckon this this kid is a young uh, this kid is a youngster that has so much potential of what they're progressing or what they're thinking projecting for him for the future. Another Ronaldo like for Portugal, so we're gonna have to wait and find out. And it's the old cliche. I mean, I mentioned that last week. It's it's these games you play shit in that it's it's most important to take the three points. And Atletico there making a three from three. That, that's exactly right. 100% record leading the pack in the La Liga. Uh, the top four, again, is sort of similar to the Premier League. Um, you wouldn't expect some of these teams to be there. Levante, Atletico Bilbao. Sorry, Athletic Bilbao. Sevilla, yeah, yeah. Sevilla, they've always been there. Yeah. So you, you could really just, um, you can count them to be in the top three, maybe top four. Um, they signed Chicharito as well. So there might be a bit of a boost for their attacking Um from, sorry, from an attacking sense. Um, Real Madrid, they're in fifth spot. Still haven't lost the game, so you can sort of take that. But again, the two... Not where we're used to seeing them. Yeah, not where... I don't think anyone's used to seeing Real Madrid. Yeah. And, and Barcelona in, in eighth is, is you know, not a very familiar sight at all. Is Again, is this is this the Messi-less effect? Is, is this where Barcelona really belong without a Messi? Yeah, it's, it's scary signs for stuff to come. There could be another Milan. AC Milan at one stage was amazing. Best teams in Europe, Champions League winners. And then players sold, players sold, players sold, players left. And now they're struggling to even progress through the Europa League. And I mean, both of us had, had Barcelona taking it, the, the premiership this year. So Still round three, but... It is very early. It is very early. But, but these I mean, are the points that matter. Yeah. The early start to to open the gap before the Champions League, so you can focus on the Champions League. So we're gonna have to wait and see how how they all recover after the international break. Now moving on to the Turkish Super League, um, Galatasaray. What do you think? Oh, it was one of the most disgusting games I have ever watched. Um, as a Galatasaray supporter, very very stressful. We're talking a game that had five red cards, ten yellow cards. Uh, five goals it's you know it, it looks exciting on paper but it was, it was it was horrible I don't know if the referee had control of the game uh, f- of course Galatasaray having Eminem Mort sent off which he'll miss next game I don't you know it's arguable if that second yellow card should have been a yellow card um, it's arguable if Eminem Mort needed to put himself in that position but the winning goal coming for Galatasaray at 90 plus 9 minutes so that's a ridiculous amount of time to add at the end of a game uh when Besiktas was looking okay I mean I've had I've got my I've had my doubts about Besiktas this season um they drew 1-1 at home to Vizespor and sort of like 
um, reinforces the doubts I had for them. Fenerbahce and Trabzon. Now, this was the derby game, of course, very early on, match day three. Uh, Fenerbahce and Trabzon Sport both could have won this. I mean, there's so many times I were one-on-one with a keeper, not being able to finish. But as hard as it is for me to say as a Galatasaray supporter, Fenerbahce are moving the ball very fast this season. Um, the way they're moving the ball um, is unbelievable. Gary Rodriguez... He did what he was. We got what he got famous for last season. I mean, he took on the defender, beat him. He's taken on the keeper. He's beaten him. Open goal, and he swings it wide. And um, it's something that is it's definitely playing on his mind. I mean, as soon as he got open as a spectator, I thought, oh no, he's gonna miss this. I mean, it's not an oh no, oh yes, he's gonna miss this. But you could see that he was gonna miss it. His body language was saying, man, I see what's happening again. Do you think Garcia should have sold him? Look, at the time they needed to, uh, they got, I think, what I believe, 9 million euro at the time, whatever it was, to get rid of him. Um, look, I I do like Gary Rodriguez, but you got to remember that before Fatih Terim, he wasn't even on first 11 for Galatasaray. You know, um, we talk about Fatih Terim being able to bring out the best players, um, and Gary Rodriguez was one of those players, but... Even when he moved to um, Saudi Arabia, he wasn't able to get much game time at Fenerbahce. He's got he's got something to prove. So um, I think Galatasaray needed to sell him at the time, and you had Henry on your so Gary wasn't getting much time anyway. So, um, but it could have gone both ways. Trubs on sport, you got to give them a round of applause away from home. Kadikou is a very hard place to win, and. With such a young team, of course, players like Yusuf Yazidji no longer playing in the team. They played really, really well, and a point, a point of peace for him. Yeah, taking a point always away in Turkey is is something very hard, considering it's a very hostile crowds. I mean, you can take the two biggest teams, Gaza and Fenerbahce. At the moment, those two start to clash. There's a reason why away away fans aren't allowed in those games anymore. Um, they they, they, they as of last year they're actually allowed to, but yeah, there was a long time ban for away teams to be entering the stadium. But when they do go, even you see the big difference <laughs> of the amount of security, the amount of problems, the amount of security checks even yep. like we went to a game to, to last year or the year before that and there was the, the amount of security checks that are involved and the amount of problems so yeah Trabzonspor one point I reckon if you offered that to them before the game started they might have even taken it yeah and uh, yeah definitely Fenerbahce is very hard to beat you know they played Besiktas last year where Besiktas was in front 3-0 at half time and Fenerbahce always manages to you know come back and they drew 3-3 here's my worry for Fenerbahce I mean they haven't they haven't lost to any team or any of the any of the Istanbul teams or Trabzon in their home stadium for I think something ridiculous like ten years, but for the last few years they've been struggling to win a game there too. So is it a fortress if you're only taking draws away? I don't know, um, but yeah, it's exciting, especially with the amount of transfers made this season. I think we will touch up on that on Friday more. But you're talking about the crowds. There was fifty thousand fans at you know Istanbul Airport. Who are waiting for Falcao to come? So, and I believe Fenerbahce signed Luis Gustavo. Exactly. So, there's been some big signings that we can talk about on Friday on the show. Um, we were talking about what the Turkish league needs to do. It's almost like they heard us, Fats. You see all these loans happening. You know, they're bringing in young players from the EPL, which we talked about, and of course, Galatasaray bringing in three players from the EPL. Um, it might just Bring up the tempo in the Turkish league. And boost the quality maybe for the viewers as well. And and not only for the viewers, but to boost the... the Turkish um, football. The, the Turkish football, exactly. The youngsters have, you know, someone to look up to, someone to give them that speed that the EPL plays with. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you if, um, expect Alanya Sport to be leading? No. Um, good on them, but three from three as well. It's not just leading. They're the only undefeated team. I mean, Alanya have been... The only 100% team. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, The only 100% team. But Alanya Sport, we've, in the past, have shown, you know, that they've got really good players, but I didn't see them being up the top after three three games. 
Um, you would consider them maybe the Leicester City at the moment yeah, and of the it, Turkish league. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Fenerbahce, you know, they're where they should be. Arguably, they could be up on top, but they've they've played a derby that the other teams haven't. Denizli Sport newly promoted on seven points. Like that's pretty impressive. And no goals conceded. Yeah. Still so, clean. Uh, three rounds gone past, not not considering it. That's a bit of a boost for their keeper, and, for their defenders, of course. Yeah, and you've played Galatasaray, so like that's pretty pretty impressive. Uh, Closing it up with Rizespor. Now you got two, three teams there: Fenerbahce, Denizli, and Rizespor, all on the same points. But again, I think if we said before the season started do you expect these two these four teams to be there in the international break i don't think it would come to anyone's mind no nah, definitely not especially when the sport has lost so many of their good players i mean vedat muric going over to fenerbahce who was there you know goal scorer last season good for them for staying in that top four and you know it's it's early on but good start for them that's it um Gasteray and Bishtash have a lot to do Bishtash in eighth and Gasteray in ninth yeah there's... early days a lot of you know a lot of transfers made I mean, not being biased, but for Galatasaray, um, we've been talking with Ohms about the lack of a midfield. I mean, you've got a player of Falcao's calibre. He needs to be fed balls. So let's see what this midfield can do. Um, Besiktas, I've had my worries for, as I said, from the start of the season. Hopefully they can bring up some competition because the Turkish league without the three teams or the four teams isn't as exciting. Totally agree with you on that one. Now, just to sum up, Fats, uh, something that we have coming up on our show next oh, on Friday, sorry, for the next podcast, is we've got one of our guests um, who is a listener of the show. So something that we're trying out at the moment, Fats, is is trying to be uh, more, more connected to our listeners. More engaged with the communities. Yeah. Also getting a third, third opinion while Ohms is on holiday. Yeah. So uh, we'll have Jehun Dogru. Doro, <laughs> um, on the show, and we're going to talk about you know what we think of these transfers, our general opinions about um, some Just of the teams in the EPL, pretty much exactly how the and Premier League is going, what's your top eleven, how the transfers, etc., etc. We've got plenty to discuss. Yeah, so we'll talk about our top eleven, and maybe you guys can comment on your top eleven for the EPL so far on our Instagram page or on our Facebook page. Hit us up on one of our YouTube videos, and um, until Friday, I guess, Fats. Um, we just got to stay offside. That's it. Thank you very much for listening.